Konnichiwa, Peter. Konnichiwa. We're here. That means good afternoon. I learned all the different ones. Now, a DJ taught me good morning, and I think this is a a more um, like a a casual DJ? good morning. No, we were at the club, Peter. Okay. And they kept saying Ohio, and I was like, that's not even the best state. What are you talking about? No, Ohio means good morning. Konnichiwa means good afternoon. And Kambamwa means good evening. And I was loving getting to greet the fans at all the shows. With a kambamwa. And they go, oh. And then you hit them with the arigato gozaimasu. They love it. We're back in Japan. I'm going to get to Japan. I'm a little more uh, coordinated in my chaos this week. Last week, I mean, like I landed Wednesday night. We recorded what? Friday morning? Yeah. I don't think time existed in between any of that. And I'm pretty sure that by the time I got home from Atlantic city, I finally felt like I was home. I did not feel home or done with the trip yet. And upon reflecting, I needed to say that last week was a chaos bomb of information and I had not processed fully anything on this trip yet, but, and we will talk about Atlantic city, but we've talked about Atlantic city a lot. There's a lot of good stuff that went on there. Uh, I do have to talk about what I did Friday night because it was, I had this plan for a long time And I did not realize that my plans surrounding it were going to try to eat it up. And this was to go see a concert with one of my best friends in the world, uh, Tom Tom, who came up from Florida with his wife. And we were all going to go see Father John Misty. And I actually had the pleasure of picking up the Japanese edition of a Father John Misty CD for them that I think they enjoyed. But I had been kind of looking at this as like, let me get home. Let me process. Let me see Father John. And I just want to say that this is an album, the newest one at least. I've listened to all the albums. I love Father John Misty. I won't bullshit you. It's a little bit straight bro of me to love Father John Misty as much as I do. I'll say it. He's a he's a he's a wife guy, okay? Oh, absolutely. And he writes about love, but he also writes about absurdism in human existence, especially from the perspective of someone who has been on a hallucinogenic journey before. And I think that that's it's important to look at everything with a a detailed comb, but with also the eye of full absurdity. And I think that it helps me look at everything because I kind of go, I'm not the only one thinking everything's absurd. He is too. But we planned this trip a long time ago and I realized it was falling right between get home from Japan midnight on the 4th or 5th and then see Father John Missy on the 7th, then go to Atlantic City and do two shows. So it wasn't really like a break or a resting point. It was like, get it together, baby. You got to go. And I went to this concert and I figured looking around at the crowd, they must be in on the joke with father John Missy, you're either in on the joke or you're dumb. And I don't know why you're there for most of these people in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know why they were there. Now Suki Waterhouse opened. And let me tell you, uh, young, young white women love Suki Waterhouse. I think she sold a lot of tickets that night. Father John Missy came on right at 10 o'clock PM after what preceded the longest 10 minutes of standing in lights and people talking of all time. (laughs) You can understand me, Peter. And he came on and everything was cool. And then I kind of started to notice that they weren't really familiar with the new material, which he was touring on almost entirely with a full orchestra. Mind you. Shit. Yes. Incredible. Like horns, violas, violins. What did he play? 
What did he play? Yeah. What do you mean? What venue was he at? Oh, he was at the uh, the Standard. Okay. Which is the old dairy. Yeah. So there's no service down there. You're underground. It's beautiful. I talked to one of the staff members about Carly Rae Jepsen because AJ was supposed to go Wednesday and then he was like, I'm just exhausted. And I was like, I get it. We're all exhausted. We've switched time zones four times in the last few weeks. I have at least. And as we're watching, someone yells out, shut up and play the hits. Which is, to me, a very bold thing to say at a Father John Misty concert. Yeah. No offense to Father John, what are the fucking hits? Yeah. Uh, is it, I'm writing a novel, you want us to just go back to the first album and play the three-minute pop song? Is that what we're getting at? And so after that, I realized we're on the same wavelength, me and Father John, because he proceeded to play Q4, which is a song about how the industry pushes you to get things done on a timeline so that they can hit their money marks in certain times like Q4. We got to hit enough by Q4. You better have it done. And I said, this motherfucker is on one. And as he continued, you sort of saw his mood shift to being like, are these Father John fans or not? And as as he went on, you notice it's just a lot of drunk frat bros and it's a lot of their girlfriends who drug them there to see this and nobody else is in on the joke. And I thought well, this will be a, f- a fun time for us all to be in on the joke. And then I realized, baby, Effie, not everyone ever will be in on the joke, even if they're standing right in front of the joke looking at it. And I think that we have to take that to heart for our content and for what we do, especially as I have, uh, in the last few weeks, had some growth uh, in in the people that are following me, in the global people that are checking me out and people not understanding my particular brand of fourth wall breaking sarcasm. Sometimes it's okay that they don't get it. And if someone gets it awesome, if they get part of it, cool. Father John Misty. Uh, I can't, I don't want to get into the exact phrasing, but he did say something in the middle of the show, which caught me, uh, immediately. I'm just going to tell you, and you can decide if you want to, okay. if you want to edit this, he stops in the middle of the set. And Peter, I'm feeling it. And he goes, all right, I'm just going to say this real quick. Some of you guys probably took too many mushrooms before you came here. You're probably peaking right now. Just take a deep breath. Be aware. And uh, also, this next song is going to fuck your mind up. <laughs> and I said, my God, we're here. He played everything. And it was beautiful. And there are certain tracks that play much better in a live setting to me that I felt. Strange Encounter has never been a song that really sat with me. But... I felt like when he played it live, I was like, boy, I've been having some strange encounters and it's okay. And now I'm going to rewind and we're going to go back to the morning after I uh, fought Jun Kasai and survived. I want to tell you, I remembered what my co-star was that day. I don't think I mentioned that. I don't think and I so. think it's important because sometimes I look at them, I'll look at the co-star. I don't take it to heart to heart, but I look at it once and then I look at it at the end of the day and kind of reflect on what it may have meant. Yeah. All it said was, a dog's tail is never straight. And I think when I think back to him revealing that he knew about Effie, even though he's a death icon and he's one of the best in the business ever, of course he was onto some wacky shit. It's Jun Kasai. We're all dogs and our tails are not straight. And the second you assume someone is as serious as they are, you're a fool because no one is. And I think it made sense because that dog's tail was not straight and nor is mine. And nor is Bebop's. God bless home with me again. But Wednesday morning, I promised AJ something on this trip. And I only promised him one thing. But if anyone asked me, I wanted to make sure his trip was good. It was that we would go to the temples. Yes. And I'm actually jumping into what some of the 
Patreon questions for the week are going to be patreon.com slash weekend at Effie's. We're almost to our goal, which we're going to be raffling off a golden Effie award. Yes. Stick in there. There's only one golden Effie award in existence. It will be raffled off on Patreon. I am still working. I forgot to bring the stuff over. I've got some more stuff to put on eBay. Excellent. Uh, some people are saying, don't use eBay. I'm saying it's the easiest thing for me to do. I have John Moxley FE signed posters. I have Minoru Suzuki FE signed posters. I have the ring worn maternity gown and mask from big gay brunch. I have two other FE awards. You can't buy them anywhere. And I have some other weird little stuff, possibly the miniature chairs from the Kikutaro match that we yes. both crushed. I think those will go up as well. But I have a few things going up that are memorabilia and fun, and I'm off wrestling this weekend, so I have a little bit of time to mentally prepare myself. But we started the morning, and I said, it's all yours. We were going to go to a temple. And so we started with one of the biggest temples right next to Harajuku. Now, Harajuku is full of stores. Minoru Suzuki has a store there full of cafes. We'll get to all that. But first, the Miji Jingu Temple is one of the largest temples in the Tokyo area. It's an old temple and it is built around it's built around a freshwater uh spring. And we entered the temple grounds and it's crazy because right next to Harajuku, so there's lights and goth girls and clown people and crazy otter cafes and restaurants and meat on a stick. And then there's the most peaceful, beautiful temple you've ever seen. And it's surrounded by trees. You wouldn't even notice there's a train 20 feet from you. There are structures. There's even champagne displays that were given to the emperor back in the day that they just have the big champagne bottles, the sake things. You can see this in the video of some of the footage. But as you walk up, we took the extra trail to go down by the, the spring. We got to see the fishing area of the emperor's wife where she would go down to fish and it's beautiful. You walk the trail. We went down to the spring and they say, don't drink from the spring, which we didn't. But every Japanese person in front of us did drink from the spring. So I don't know if it's just like maybe white people, you don't need to drink from the spring. We did not drink from the spring. We did touch the spring. And to know that like, this is like some old school shit. The reason the whole temple was built there is because they found a freshwater spring. The entirety of this area was built up around this freshwater spring that was discovered in the early 1800s. So you're kind of seeing that like a little gurgle of water from the ground can build a whole empire around it. Amazing. I wonder if there's something, if it's so magical that it like curses white people when they drink. From it them. might. And I don't want to be cursed. And I think there are a lot of, there are, listen, we, we did some bad things back in the day. All right. Somebody came to me and they said that the museum, they were explaining why the Japanese people were right in their war efforts. Listen, y'all, nobody's right in their war efforts. War efforts are shitty. Stop having war. Stop making up borders. Stop acting like we aren't all just like dirty little pieces of shit who poop in the toilet and eat food when we can. We are all humans. We fucked up a lot of shit. They fucked up some shit. I don't know. There was fucked up shit on both sides. I'm not going to get cursed by the spring water. As you're walking around, though, it is. There's a there's a tranquility and a peacefulness that you would kind of get with a church, but there isn't as much sort of uh, I don't want to say mumbo jumbo. Maybe I just don't understand the mumbo jumbo. There's a it's more spiritual rather than on focusing on one god or one thing. Right. And we went in, and I thought it was funny. We actually I have one in my. I think you're supposed to give it away, but I did not. I want to see if it's still in here. Yes, my beautiful blessing, my intention blessing. Oh. We got these from the temple 
And when you go up to the temple, it's overwhelming. And like, I even took my hat off and they didn't say anything. I just, it was an automatic kind of like, I'm just going to take my hat off here. You go up to the temple and you put in some money through the window slot. And when you look inside these temples, it's like gold and thrones and beauty, but you don't go in. You go right to the window, you open the little window, you throw in your coin. And this is what you do. You bow once and then you clap and then you bow twice and then you leave with your intention. And I think it reset our souls because we'd been in Japan a few days. We'd been checking things out very minorly, but now we had the time to explore and to take it in. Now, Peter, I will say though, it was fucking hot. And we tried to do some research because the whole time I'm standing here wondering, because Japan is very high on the like equator line. Right. And so I'm wondering, okay, it's the winter kind of, is the sun just closer to us and it's beaming us out? Because this was like Florida humidity, full sun, full right in your face, and it really blasts away at you, but you're like, we have a lot of ground to cover. So we we exit this temple, we really, we're feeling good, me and AJ, and we look up in Harajuku, and what do we see? But a cat cafe, a beautiful cat cafe. And we make our way upstairs. There's something really cool about a lot of the businesses there, because you go up an elevator, and it's not like you go into a hallway and there's other rooms. You exit the elevator into a business. So you're like, Amazing. cat cafe, fourth floor, the entire fourth floor is the cat cafe. You open up and you're in the cat cafe. And thank God for the Japanese people. They have figured out how to make everything easy. So you walk in, put your shoes in a locker, you put on your slippers, you get your ticket. Now at these cat cafes, and this would never happen in America, you get unlimited beverages. What? So you pay 900 yen. This is like $6 to go in for at least a half an hour. And it might've been more, but I think it was for a half an hour was the $6. And then you pay going forward like 2000 more yen. If you want to keep going, you get unlimited coffee, energy drinks, Coca-Cola's. You can charge your phone. It is air conditioned. They could have offered this service to me without the cats involved. And I would have said, what a money saving operation, but no, you get, about 30 cats that are just wandering and not just one type of cat. They got the little fluffy cats with the snub noses. They've got those uh, half serval cats that look like miniature Jaguars. They've got cats in the ceiling. They've got places the cats are hiding. The more you look, the more cats you see. And it sort of builds this beautiful peacefulness around you. We've gone to the temple. We've gone here. I am melting away in the cat cafe. We're taking pictures. We're loving it. It's beautiful. We finally decide, listen, we'll stay here all day if we don't leave. We get our things together. We pay the massive bill of under $20 to hang out for an hour at the cat cafe. And we make our way through a little bit of Harajuku, which we would make our way back. But we had a bigger uh, agenda ahead of us, which was to go down to Shibuya. Now, there are three wild areas. I'll say four. Because there's Shinjuku, which is the big drinking party, bar, 24-hour saunas, talk to a boy cafe, crazy area. And then there's Shinjuku Sanchome, which is nearby. That's more of the like gay weird district. I'll end up back there to get a tattoo in a moment. And there's Harajuku, which is famous for its fashion, for its small shops, for its weird goth beautiful costumey clothing and delicious crepes and sweet foods everywhere you look. They also have the Snoopy Cafe, which we'll go back to again. I didn't go to these places once. I went many, many times. And thank God, you know me, Peter, and a lot of people have said this. 
I'll just walk whether I know where I'm going or not. Thank God for Japan because I know where I'm going. There's signs everywhere. There's everywhere you look, there's a way to get there and it tells you where to go. So the walk from Harajuku down to Shibuya is a little bit of a walk, but not enough to slow us down. So we make our way out of Harajuku, out of the Cat Cafe. We go down to Shibuya and we go into one of the largest mall structures I think I've ever seen. It is huge. It is tall. And the stores inside are not separated by walls. They're just different segments of the store that are bought by designers. So you've got like, here's Michael Kors and here's uh, Barenciaga, they call it there. I'm not trying to be rude. That's what they call it. Do you want to wear Barenciaga? I do. It's kind of like how Ricky Morton calls Hayabusa, Halabusa. I don't know why. I'll never correct Ricky Morton. All of these designer stores are in there, but you keep going up and now there's restaurants and home goods and hold up. We're on the technology floor so not only do they have the giant Nintendo store here, they also have the Pokemon Center. And it's not the only Pokemon Center. We visited two other Pokemon Centers wow. while we were there as well. I couldn't stop going to the Pokemon Center. You're like, what's in a Pokemon Center? Yeah, it's like a Pokemon store. But there's also like crafts and interactive displays and like take a picture with a Pokemon. It's crazy. It's fun. You don't have to spend a dollar to have a good time in there. And they have everything from like, here's a little plush of every Pokemon to like, do you need some jewelry with Mewtwo on it? Do you need a, a, a beautiful diamond tennis bracelet with Pikachu in the middle? It's it's full of everything. Who's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon, personally? Oh, man, this is hard. Does it's, AJ have a favorite? AJ does have a favorite. AJ's easier. AJ's favorite is Gengar. Okay. And after AJ left, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, I went to a store after he left. And he did not know I went to the store. And I said, baby, I got you a present. And he said, is it a first edition Japanese holographic Gengar card with a special picture? And I go, fuck you. Because it was. It was. It was the perfect first edition 1996 holographic Japanese Gengar with the alternate picture. We'll get to how I found that later. And some magical moments because of that trip. But for now, we are in the Pokemon Center, and it's difficult because you're in these Pokemon stores, and you're in the Nintendo store, and they also have like the Capcom store with all the oh, the Monster shit. Hunter and Street Fighter stuff in there, and they have the like uh, I don't know if you've seen like Shonen One Jump, and they have sort of the there's a lot of weird stuff that comes with that. They have that store there. There's every kind of weird anime store, and I got a lot of merch recommendations for what we're going to be doing. So there's some things coming shortly from Effie that are very Japanese decided new shirts. Amazing. The new shirts are great. Priors did them. He does all my artwork, but he's going in a, a strange, weird oil spill futuristic direction. It doesn't exactly look like Effie. It doesn't exactly look like anything. It's very fun. And it's not as direct. I have a lot of shirts that you have to like almost put on the set of armor to prepare for like a public conversation. Right. And I appreciate everyone who wears those. I wear my own shirt sometimes and forget. And I end up in conversations and I go, what have I done? <laughs> what am I doing? Wrestling's gay. Well, yeah, it is. It's pretty fucking gay. Oh. I, whenever I walk around with my shirt, I'll go getting more looks than usual from people. They're, they're not the, oh, your dog is really cute. Cause we can, I'm just going to brag on Lucy for a second. We get stopped in the street like every other day. Because she is, she brings the people. She has a friendliness and fun to her that you're like, I just want to pet that dog. I just want to pet that dog. And then you say, this is sweet Lucifer. And they go, oh, God. <laughs> Don't you believe in that devil shit? 
It's aggressive. It's always sometimes. like a oh, like not. Or you get the one. This is the best. Is the no? It's not. And you go, baby. Hold on. It is, but not the way you're thinking. No, there are some people where I go. This is Lucy. <laughs> yeah, just, you, I'm you not leave it push open. Your buttons too much. Yeah, just yeah, little Lucy. She's sweet. And then they look at the tag, Peter. Can't hide it once yeah, they look it at the tag. Yeah, it does directly say Lucifer. Lucifer. What a time. Um, Peter, I want to say this. There was an article someone wrote yesterday for medium.com, which is, you can put, everybody can kind of put something up there, but it was about how uh, when they first interacted with me and kind of an overarching look at me, I was covered in blood and was after a very violent match with Darren Corbin. And they said, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. And they sort of built this article around how if I was fine and confident and me, then they could be too. And so I just want to say it was magical. I love it. It's very beautiful and heartwarming to read. I'm not saying everyone go, they wrote an article about me, read it. But they wrote an article about me, you should read it. Because sometimes I wonder, Peter, and you know this, I don't know if everybody gets it. Back to the Father John Missy, are you in on the joke? And I feel like if people dislike me or hate me or think I'm one way or another, uh, they haven't paid enough attention. And so when people do pay attention, I honor that and respect that because it is, uh, it's good to know that you're being watched. Someone the other day said, I guess Effie's leaning into the shock jock shit. And I was like, Effie's leaning into whatever I feel like leaning into. I hope you would understand that by now. And sometimes it is a little shocking, but then like this weekend, I had two banger-ass matches. In Japan, I had comedy. I had violence. I had everything. I am what is known as an all-rounder. I will do anything in a wrestling ring. I will do anything in the world. I'm experiencing the world, and I am not going to be held down by one thing or restricted to shocking you if I must. And I think that's good that people are picking up on that. Did you get in trouble for something else, or is this So shit? here's what happened. Because I, is... I saw some shit on Twitter, and I was like, I'm just going to This is the real deal, later. and I, like, I'm not going to sit here and defend anything. I'm just going to be objective. Um, someone, well, I was defending a spot. I wasn't really defending it, but everyone was really worried about Jimmy Lloyd after he took some chair shots to the head. Let me be clear. There are different types of chairs that you can hit someone with. There are very cheap aluminum chairs, which bend very easily. There are also very stiff steel chairs that you may remember from the early 90s and 80s. All right. Here's what I will say. If you're concerned about the outlaw pro wrestlers, remember this. We don't fucking work for you by choice. I'm not going to sit through your shitty concussion seminar. I'm not going to listen to a mid Carter tell me how to bump when the reason he was fucking injured is because he didn't know how to take a proper flatback bump to begin with. I'm not going to listen to legends tell me that German suplexes are really dangerous after they've been thrown off buildings. I'm not going to hear any of this shit. And if it gets you fired up, good. I first put out a little video with Jimmy Lloyd after the event where the concussion specialists were jumping in and saying the victims are going to be his family. I'm his family and he's not a victim. And I said, Jimmy, you're fine. He said, I'm fine. Jimmy's fine. And they started pulling up other shit because of that. And then someone photoshopped beautifully the picture of me with my hand around my dick with Moxley choking me into a grinder advertisement. And I thought to myself, cause they were like, put this on TV and just cancel AEW all the way. And I thought, boy, not only did you have enough time to think about this and craft a tweet, you photoshopped me onto a gay sex app uh, really well. You didn't use the new logo, but you did a good job. So then people start talking about that again and saying that I shouldn't be jerking off in front of people without giving them some forewarning. We should have passed out a little pamphlet that said it's possible if he will touch his wiener. But let me clear this up because I feel like I've cleared this up a hundred times. When you are choked out, 
you go into a childlike position. All right. I don't know if you've ever been choked out, Peter. You ever choked a man out? I have. I've choked a man out to where he passes out. Do you want to know what happens? You go back into your little fetal position like you were in your mummy's tummy. And you know what you do in your mummy's tummy when you're a BB? You grab your fucking pud. What I was showing is that I was in such a deep pleasure zone and I was unconscious to the point where I was back to my childlike fetal ways of just putting my hands there and passing out. I was not jerking off. My little soft wiener was not activated. I was putting my hand on my crotch. Oh, and it helped because the ref couldn't raise my hand for two and three to know that I was actually passed out. Wow. It's almost as if I'm a cheeky little fuck and you guys can't stop talking about it. Beyond that, no, I didn't do anything controversial. I had a wonderful five-minute match before the main event Saturday night with Shota, who is a Japanese talent. I showed up and they go, we have another Japanese talent for you to work with because Effie can work with everyone, including all the Japanese talent. And guess what I did? All the cool spots in five minutes. Well, welcome to Effie's world. I even walked to the back after, and we'll talk about it more in a minute because we're kind of in Japan right now. And I was a little bit of a dick after Peter. Because Effie can do in four and a half to five minutes what some of y'all dicks can't get done in 20 minutes. And they paid to see me, not you, jerk off your wrist lock for 20 minutes once again. And I walked to the back and I said, well, would you look at that? Effie Hogan must pose. Too bad y'all can't get over in five minutes like me because I'm going to go sell merch now. There's a line. Now, I'm getting a little too cocky for my britches, Peter. I'll admit it. But I'm real, real sick of people acting like, I'm just being thrown on a show by like, a, like it's a favor or I'm funding the show to make it happen. Look the fuck around you wrestlers. Look at the people in the audience. Look at who showed up. Look at what happens when Effie goes to the UK. Look at what happens when Effie goes to Japan. I cross all borders, boundaries, and cultures. They love Effie and God, it gets under your fucking skin. And I hope it keeps getting under your skin to the point where you have to bow, tuck your tail, and ask for a program with me so you can finally feel like what it is when you're in the ring with Effie. You know what it feels like, Peter? What's it feel like? It feels like 1988, and I'm Dusty Rhodes. It feels like, it feels like I'm uh, Rock Hogan at WrestleMania 18. It feels like there is purpose behind what I do. And when people get in there, they often have to pause a moment. If it's a 10-minute match, I can only call nine minutes of spots. You know why? Because they are lost in the sound and fury of the people pushing for Effie. And I know it's coming. So get in line. Ask permission. Know that the rule is this. You can get paid more than me, not more than one and a half times, and uh, I call the match. Sorry, Peter. I had to go on a little tangent there. I love it. Back to Japan. We go down to all these places. Now, AJ's in heaven. Pokemon Center, Nintendo Store, and he's in the mode, and this is something we had to kind of find a balance on, which was his intention is, what can I buy for everyone else at home from the trip? And my intention is, you should buy them a a handy guide that says, go to Japan, you fucking idiot. (laughs) And I think there's a balance. Now, obviously, I brought you some cute little things home. I put some thought into it. Mm -hmm. But I am also of the belief that, like, you should buy something for yourself, baby. It's nice. I think it's nice. But I'm looking around at everything and I'm going, you want to buy this for you, but you're going to give it to someone else because you're the sweetest boy that's ever lived. And I'm telling you, don't give it to anyone. Give it to only yourself. He's going, stop. Now, I'm trying to have as much fun as I can. I'm also covered in wounds. Yes. <laughs> and that was sort of the, the catch-22 of Japan was, I'm going to have such a good time. I'm going to get to do everything I want. 
The fans were gracious in their merch, you know, buying. I was able to take AJ to do all these things like cat cafes and Nintendo and lunch wherever he wants. But there would be pain. And with it as hot as it is outside and walking as much as we did. I mean, there's no there's no way I didn't walk five miles a day every single day that I was there. It, it is very painful when it starts sweating on your open wounds. And I'm a sweaty guy, Peter. So I'm in a lot of pain during these moments. Now... We spent the rest of the time exploring Shibuya. We went into the Don Quixote. Now, this could be its own mini episode. Here's what the Don Quixote is. It is seven stories of everything. And I want to kind of take you through these different stories so that you understand. Please. The Don Quixote logo is this little duck man, and he's cute. And Don Quixote, I guess they're these are all like... They're, they're words that or sounds that translate into Japanese language. So they call it the donkey. Donkey. Donk. And it's very fun, but it is overwhelming. You are greeted at the front of the Don Quixote by eels and fish in aquarium tanks. Wow. It looks like a marvelous magic entrance, and it is. And as soon as you walk in, it is pure and utter chaos. And now we went to the mega Don Quixote. There's a few, but this one was in Shibuya. And... It is overwhelming. The first floor at this time, all Halloween stuff. I was very jealous of Joey Janela. He's going to be back in Tokyo for Halloween oh my with DDT Pro Wrestling. He is currently the DDT Extreme Iron Super Magic Champion. I don't know. They celebrate really hard in Tokyo for Halloween. Christmas, I don't think they give a shit. Halloween, they're crazy. Businesses have to lock the doors because people go so nuts in Shibuya for Halloween. The first floor, a lot of stuff. Makeup, Halloween stuff. Next floor, medical supplies, beauty, health. The next floor, home goods, clothing, workout equipment, everything. You're going, this sounds like a Walmart with seven stories. Yeah, but it's perfectly organized and it's perfectly clean and it's cheaper than you'd imagine. Fourth floor, I want to say was even more like home goods and toys and decorations and jewelry. I got my ear piercing kit there. Now, Peter, did I perfectly pierce my ear? No. Am I worried? A little. Am I going to ride it out? No, no, it's clean. It's fine. It's just a little lower than I would like. But that's the way the news goes, baby. I pierced my ear with my own ear piercing kit in Japan. One thing they do trust you with in Japan is your own, like, uh, your own agency. Like, you want a pierced ear? Do it, bitch. (laughs) You can do it. So I went home and pierced my ear with a gun later that night. But... We made our way through this place. Now, here's the next floor. Floor five. Toys. There you go. Toys. Yeah. Kids toys. Right? Yeah. And also, sex toys. Both are on the same floor. There's also a huge electronics floor, but the sex floor, let me just get into it for you. They've got all sorts of toys. Sick toys. Manga toys. Godzilla toys. Race cars. Halloween costumes. And then they've got every type of sex toy you can imagine beautifully beyond just the sex toys well let's get into this they have fleshlights they're not really fleshlights they're called tengas and tenga also makes the eggs i don't know if you're familiar with a tenga egg i bought a very specialty tenga egg a keith herring tenga egg that i was going to keep as a little memorabilia piece uh the hell it was used within my household <laughs> They have vending machines for everything, like I said. The vending machine 
with the pocket pussies in it is only 500 yen. And I joked to someone because there's legal prostitution in Japan. You can go and you can have a prostitute, you know, do her thing with you or his thing with you. But they will occasionally rob foreigners. I don't blame them. For only 500 yen, which is a coin, you can put it in and get your very own pocket pussy and personal lubricant. I think it's why there's like a little less violence over there. Because let's say you get real worked up and you're like, I'm not fucking my hand. Well, 500 yen later at the local uh, Don Quixote, guess what? You've got a pocket pussy ready to go. Here's, here's the point I'm making too. They have different sizes of these things. And, you know, I'm not going to get into rumors and speculation. They have extra small, small, medium, large, and then they have an extra large size. Do you know what they call that size, Peter? (laughs) The extra large pocket pussy is U.S. size. Oh, yeah. Wow. You want to talk about uh, purveying a stereotype? Let me say this to anyone listening in Japan. I've seen many, many penises in my life. Of all sizes, shapes, and function, the U.S. penises are no bigger or smaller than anywhere else in the world. Don't be fooled by the marketing. There are bigger and littler penises of all types and all cultures. Don't worry about it. There's penises everywhere. The U.S. size, though. I didn't buy one of those. I just got one of the pocket pussies out of the machine because I wanted to have the experience. We make our way through there. There's snacks everywhere. Now, Peter, I've just ordered two pounds of dried squid off of Amazon because I can't stop eating dried squid. It's so good. It tastes like the ocean in a chewy jerky form. And I will eat the hot one. Now, in Japan, they've got it. Like I said, you can get the full squid, the little squid. I can't stop eating squid. High protein content, salty, tasty, sweet. We end up not spending that much time in the Don Quixote this time. We spent more time later, which we'll come back to. And I went back and AJ said, I am exhausted. I said, you don't want to go out to the club with us tonight in Shinjuku? And he said, no, I don't. I'm exhausted. And I love this about him. Speaking of agency, he's a grown adult and he will make that decision to go lay down. And thank God we had our own Airbnb at this point, because every time I re-entered the GCW Airbnb, it was worse. (laughs) And I would go in there and like do mother cleaning. And, you know, in Japan, they have very organized trash which is like the bottles go here, the cans go here, the paper products go here, the plastics go here. Like it's very organized and I was trying my best to keep up, but I felt like a little mother. But I get back that night, I've got my ear piercing kit and I go for it. I said, fuck it. I went in the bathroom and pierced my ear and I obviously did the gay side and only the gay side. And now that I've gone clean shaven for the first time in years, and this is as clean as it gets, I will not go down to the skin. I will always leave stubble. And somebody was like, well, you need a mustache. Y'all don't understand how fast his facial hair grows. I will have a full mustache by the time I land in Detroit or Chicago, even the night before. So we go home, I pierce my ear and then everybody sort of starts to reconvene. And we decide we're going to go out on the town. We go back to the Shinjuku area. We start in golden guy again. And I keep wanting to call it golden gay, golden gay. And we went to a death metal bar called metal gods. And I think we briefly mentioned this last week, but I want to bring up that when we got in there, there was a Finnish band playing on the, on the screen and they were playing like low boy violin and they were playing the ax. I don't know. There was a lot going on. We were real fired up and we said, let's make this a memorable night. So we make our way over to warp we, we, we had gone to Warp the first night, and AJ had come with us. We said, we're going to go back. He said, I don't want to go. I said, it's fine. Now, Peter, 
I've been rediscovering my love of dance. We've discussed that a little bit here because back in the day, I don't think people realize like Effie's wild. Taylor was fucking wild. And go, go ask my graphic designer who lived with me in college. I loved clubbing, but I loved clubbing when on, on like almost a browned out state of drug and alcohol euphoria. And I've cut out the alcohol. So going back, you kind of have these questions of like, Oh, I'm an old man now. I don't dance anymore. I don't need to go to the club. Well, I'm not that old. And we went out and we got there about midnight. And I want to shout out ref Scarlett for a second. Cause she has a real big girl job and it's about midnight, which means it's about 1 PM or 11 AM, something on the West coast. She had a full work meeting at midnight and we waited as long as we could for her to finish. And then I said, listen, I'm going in, I'm going to the club and we go inside and she makes it inside briefly afterwards. This shit is popping and I'm dancing. I'm feeling my oats, Peter. I'm dancing all night and there's a whole crew of us dancing once again in the club with John Wayne Murdoch in the club with Jimmy Lloyd with Drew Parker. And there's a brand of clothing there that, you know, Drew Parker has this smiley face with an X and a triangle for the eyes. And there's a brand of clothing there that has the smiley face, but the mouse says Drew. And so if you look up a Drew Parker, it's, uh, it's basically his logo on this hoodie. Wow. He is also Drew Parker. Uh, but he's a little Welsh boy living in Japan. It's magic. We're all dancing. We're going. I find my way up to the second floor this night, and it's magical because it's a little more queer-focused, and they're doing the choreography. Did we talk about the choreography? I Maybe. So I didn't know about this. They have these stages, and you jump up on stage if they're playing the song that you know the choreography to. And so there's people who just like know perfect choreography to stuff. And we're all dancing along and it's very fun. Crazy. But they're also playing a lot of like just US club hits and dubstep and craziness. And I don't want to say that like us American boys are a little more outgoing, but it did seem like the crowd followed kind of what we were doing, even though there were a lot of people and we were going in. I was, I burnt more calories dancing in Japan, dancing in the UK than I did in the ring. I can guarantee it. I lost a lot of blood in the ring but I did not uh, lose as much sweat and electrolytes as I did dancing because we were there for, I want to say five and a half hours. This is when they called about bebop. I know I kind of brought that up a little bit. So I left the club and we finally made our way home as the trains were reopening Thursday though, big Japan. We talked a little bit about this, but the Cork and hall experience was pretty intense and wild having never been there myself. And being a part of a big death tournament like that, it was magic. And I'm, I'm kind of briefly running over this. And I know people will want to hear me talk more about Corrigan Hall, but we'll do that on Sunday. Because there's a bigger show, bigger time. But Big Japan, thank you for having me. I had fun taking the finish and getting all the blood all over me and explaining that there's glass everywhere. Please don't step in it to the Japanese people whom I can barely communicate with. But they try their best to understand me. I think it's just because I'm tall. I think they like that. You know, he's a big guy. We should listen. <laughs> Thursday night, we finished that. I'm exhausted. I go to bed. I said, I'm done. And Friday, we said, we're going to have a big exploratory day. Now, there are a few towers in Tokyo. There's the Tokyo Tower, which looks like a bigger version of the Eiffel Tower. It's as if they saw the Eiffel Tower and said, hang on, we can do this better. Bright red, beautiful, overlooks the harbor. But we went to the one that I think happened because they saw the Tokyo Tower, who saw the Tor Eiffel, and said, we're going to do it even bigger. So we go to Sky Tree, Tokyo Sky Tree. This place is marvelous. It is, once again, just full of businesses. There are uh, 
planetariums and aquariums oh, shit. and Hello Kitty stores and all you can eat sushi restaurants, which we went to. I ate so much fucking sushi. Now the conveyor belt sushi has gone the way of COVID and you cannot just have open food riding around on a conveyor belt anymore. Nobody wants that food. We don't trust it, but they give you a little tablet. So me, Joey, Joey Janela and my partner, AJ, which they hadn't hung out that much before. And I'm glad they did because they get along extremely well and no offense to anyone. Joey has a lot of the characteristics of Effie, but, uh, I don't want to say heightened. I'll say straightened. <laughs> and so it's kind of nice to see like us near each other. It's the bad boy and the gay boy. And my partner going like, oh, I love Joey Janela. I don't want to live with him or date him because of these reasons. And it's just straight boy reasons of it's things I'm working on that Joey doesn't have to work on. Cause he's a single rich, white, cool fucking bad boy. And he's in Japan and he's loved like a superstar over there. And so Getting to hang out with him, sometimes my my uh, heteronormative behaviors come out and I can be a little much, but AJ is kind of r- roasting both of us at the same time. Either way, we eat as much sushi as possible. I'm at the point where I'm like, I think I spent $200 on sushi. I mean, we've ordered everything. Or Joey will try something, I'll try something. You got to get this too. You got to get this. And they just keep bringing you sushi. For me and AJ to eat as much food as possible, it was under $60. Jesus. And I was like, we're really spending today. Let's go. Let's go big. No, you're not really spending. It's about a dollar per piece of sushi. It's incredible the amount of sushi we ate of all types and varieties. Welk and uh, gooey duck and clams and horseradish tuna and, you know, white fishes and eels. It's all there. It's all magic. One we did try. Is the natto. Are you familiar with the natto? No. Natto is pungent, uh, sour, uh, I, I'm missing the word here, aged funkadelic soybean. So it's like rotted soybean that starts to form okay. this paste. And you're thinking, that sounds horrible. Well, it is. I think you end up getting kind of a acquired taste to it because it is as funky like if if blue cheese went bad and was nuts that's what natto is and you can just buy it anywhere this sticky gooey funky shit and drew parker eats a lot of natto because he is a vegan in japan and i said do you like it he said no but i'll die if i don't find protein so between tofu bars and natto that's about as much protein as he's getting we tried the natto roll not for us and that's okay i like a lot of weird foods I like oysters. I like blue cheese. I like weird stuff, but the natto, not for us. <clears throat> After this, we said, listen, we're here. We're going to the top of the tower. Now it's not cheap to go to the top of the tower and you can even go to like the middle of the top of the tower. But this tower is, I want to say it's four, 450 meters high is the highest you can go to. Which I don't know what that is in feet. It's pretty high. But the elevator that sends you up, and they tell you you have to be silent on the elevator because it's impressive to like just listen to this elevator go. The elevator is going up at I want to say 60 meters a minute, or maybe it's maybe it's 600 meters a minute. Because you get up really fast. It must be 600 meters a minute. And first you get to the first platform, and it's all glass around you. There's a glass bottom floor, which I think we had a little picture of that go up, maybe. Maybe I need a better picture up. 
No, I'm crit. I don't like heights. I don't either, Peter. Listening to people talk about it. Like I watch rock climbing videos yeah. and my feet go numb. It is, it's a little disheartening, but you have a trust almost in the Japanese structure that it will not cause you harm. And so you're up this high. You can see all of Tokyo. You can see the Tokyo Dome. You can see Tokyo Disney. You can see all through out to the mountains. It is enormous. It is never ending. It is the biggest city I've ever laid eyes on. It just keeps going. When people say, what part of Japan were you in? I'm saying I was in Tokyo, but ask me what part of Tokyo I was in. We were in every part of Tokyo and we barely saw Tokyo. There's so much more of Tokyo to even see. And now when you're on top of this tower, what's beautiful is you see everything, but then it kind of gives you fill-ins of what you're actually looking at. They want you to know. You see the river systems. You see the temples poking out of the modern age stuff. You know, these giant skyscrapers that are very Western mixed in with these old style Japanese buildings. It's marvelous to look at from that height. And then we went even higher. You take a secondary elevator even higher up to go bigger to the top. And I think what's cute is they theme the tower for the time of year. And so right now there was a, an anime that's themed around uh, little animals that die and become ghosts in the cutest way possible. So you're seeing all these ghost animals that are up there at night. They kind of glow with the tower apparently. And then you, uh, you go back down. We went back down after and we got to the glass floor and I thought it was funny because they said free picture on the glass floor. It's great. So me, Joey, and AJ take a free picture on the glass floor, and they said sample size. So they give you, you know, a little three by five, but the sample size is this big in the corner. And I said, good enough for me. And I zoomed in on the phone and said, look at us. I didn't want to pay the 1,500 yen for that. They also have a bar up there. I bought AJ a drink on top of the tower. Pretty incredible stuff. After that, though, we went down, and at the bottom floor, they have a massive anime store. Who would have guessed? Now, I almost bought a three-foot-tall Mario statue because it was only about $65. But then I thought to myself, there's no way I can get this Mario statue home. So I left it, which was fine. We saw all the different things, and I will say this, the acrylic standees of all the anime characters fired me up. There will be Effie acrylic standees coming soon. I'm trying to get Jordan Oliver to do them too. It's like, Jordan, you gotta do these. They're incredible. They come in a square, you pop it out yourself, you put it on the stand. It's very cool. Amazing. Photorealistic. Uh, It's a fun item for everyone. But they have them of everything, and they have all these animes segmented by the show, and so they have everything of every type. You know, you want Hamtaro, you want Kirby, you want, uh, you know, One Piece, you want, they've even got the weird little egg guy from Sanrio. Have you seen him? I don't think so. All right, well, he's an egg, and he's, he's the yolk, and he's sometimes just sleeping on his egg bed. He's adorable. And mentally, there are a lot of times that I am this little egg man. And he just hangs out, and he's cute. Are you looking him up, Peter? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be cute for you. Oh, Does he, he have a name? He is cute. Um, good Meta. Good Meta. Good Tama. Good Tama. Whatever. Eggman. <laughs> he's lit. Konnichiwa, Eggman. Arigato gozaimashita. We love you, Eggman. I did not buy any Eggman merch. I should have, thinking back on it now. But, once again, full of those little vending machines. Full of toys. All the fun stuff is in the vending machines, is in the toys. And even one of them, we thought it was going to be like a little card, like a trading card. So we put in our 200 yen, a whole art piece in a little gold frame comes out. Eight by 11 art piece of this anime character. Damn. Incredible. The stuff you get there is like not shitty. It's magic. After Skytree, I said, Joey, 
we want to see cool temples and we want to buy some stuff. And he goes, let me show you where to go. We walk away from the sky tree. We head back uh, a little, a little ways away from Shibuya, but to a, an area called, uh, Akebono, which people will be familiar with if they're familiar with Japan. A lot of touristy stuff. Here's one of the best things they have there, Peter. They've got these guys who will run you around on carriages and the way they advertise is by showing you how strong their legs are. So it's just all these Japanese dudes with jacked legs in little shorts pointing at their legs like, we will be the best at the carriage. Wow. I just had to take a look, okay? I don't mind it a bit. Now, when you go up to this temple, though, that's in Akibano, there are shops and shops and shops and shops of everything. And I will say this, apparently, you know, like, white people wearing kimonos, kind of questionable. We did get a baby kimono for our niece, our little, Cute. we were gunkling for the niece and we got her a little baby kimono, got that hooked up. It looked adorable. I thought you were going to say you got a baby kimono for Cranberry and Bebop. I wish. Bebop wore a sweater the other day and just didn't move. And I was like, did I unlock something? He, he would just stand he there. Likes wearing, he, he likes it, but it yeah. was calm. It was like a thunder jacket yeah. for him. He was just standing there and he wasn't going, Bebop. So maybe we should have just gotten him a little outfit. He likes little outfits. He likes burrowing too. We figured out he likes... Not sleeping on top of the bed, but if you can burrow yeah. under us, we got to make sure he doesn't get too hot down there, you know? He doesn't know better. We see this beautiful temple, massive temple. Um, and then the three of us go back to the Don Quixote. We go back in and buy a ton more shit. I love it. There's so much shit in the Don Quixote. We have so much fun uh, viewing everything. It's one of the best places. And it was something that I was told about when I got there. And I was like, come on, stop hyping shit up so much. It's as hype as you know. Go to the Don Quixote. Get everything you need. I bought some headphones there because I lost my headphones the first day. You can buy charge changers. Luckily in Japan, you can just plug in the two-prong. Thank God. The British were fucking on us with their stupid fucking yeah. electronics. The Japanese are like, no, no, no. Two-prong, baby. It's chill. We used to have to have these like giant transformers to plug certain things in when I was in Kenya because of it being different and you know, getting American shit. It'll burn your shit out. You got to be careful of that. I get it, but it's also like, this is Tower of Babel shit. Why are you keeping us separated? It's all it's all make-believe. Oh, I can't charge my phone here because of the ports. Yeah, sounds like the devil working against us. Maybe not the devil. I guess that was God. God put up the Tower of Babel? Yeah. What a dick. Well, no, he tore it. Humans put the Tower of Babel up, and then God tore it down. Did he, though? Or was it more know. of a metaphoric tearing down? Because I feel Mad like we're God. still babbling. They'll tell you everything. They'll tell you everything. I love it. We still didn't talk about... Uh, you seeing what did you see that we didn't talk about last week? Elvis. Elvis. We'll yes. talk about that on the mini set a little bit this week. Uh, that Friday night, I'm I'm pretty sure we stayed in and watched wrestling, and we're fun boys. Saturday though, we had a very early day because AJ and myself were going to the Cat Temple. I want to look up the exact name of this Cat Temple. This is the original Cat Temple, and we got the story of the lucky waving cats. You may have seen those in Asian restaurants or in homes or in Asian stores. I have uh, an enamel pin with the arm that waves. Well, yes. And now you also have a cat spider. A cat spider. Lucky cat spider. Okay, this is the Gotokuji Temple. And I will say this, for as English-friendly as Tokyo is, the further you get out from Tokyo, boy, there ain't no fucking English. And they're not going to help you. So... I wanted to see this and AJ had said, you know, I want to see a temple and we saw as many temples as we could. This is temple like four we're going to. The Goto Kuji temple. The story is this. 
There were invading samurais coming in. There was only the one monk there, the Buddhist priest. And as the samurai came into the temple, he said, please hold. And it started raining tremendously. And then all the cats started coming from the temple. And the samurai said that this must be a good place because these cats are very sweet and they're keeping care of us. And so the temple was protected from the invaders by these cats. And so now the lucky cats protect this temple. And it's very cool to go in because this is not a, it's a touristy temple and the tourists go there, but many of the tourists are Japanese, many are elder, many are coming, you know, it's not as many American foreigner tourists that are finding this place. You light incense on the way in, you put it in the giant cat statue, and then you see all the beautiful buildings. There's a smaller temple, the larger temple, then there's the cat area. And here's what you do, Peter. You buy a lucky cat and you take it with you. You take it with you to bring you luck. And when, when the luck you have searched for has been found, you bring the cat back to the temple to be home. So there are all sizes of these cats. And I took some pictures of it. Hundreds and hundreds of these cats that are lining the walls outdoors. And what's strange about Japan is they have these typhoons, they have weather, they have this. They keep such good care of the outdoor areas that you can just leave stuff like this out. That you can have these little porcelain cats just sitting out by the hundreds and there's no concern. There's no concern of theft or of people throwing stuff or messing things up because there's a central line of respect with all of this. And we're quiet and we're being respectful and we're checking things out and we're learning the story of the cats. But then we wander into my favorite thing in all of Japan, which was the Japanese graveyard. And we were very respectful. I saw you smile a little bit. I love, I love graveyards. graveyards. I love cemeteries. I love the quietness of death. But here, there was an extra added beautiful principle of that incense that flows up. People are lighting incense for their ancestors. People are placing the blessings of their ancestors. There's large wooden posts that are meant to invoke the ghosts and spirits of the past, even beyond the past of this. So you put with the graves... It's very different to look at, but very similar in a lot of the ways. And so just kind of being in that was very peaceful. We took a lot of photos because we, we wanted to remember, even though that's probably not the right way to go about it. But I was there. I wanted to see it. And it was cool and breezy in the graveyard. I took it all in. And we said, let's just stay in this little town for a while where the Gotokuji Temple is. Let's wander about. So we wandered out of the Gotokuji Temple down the street. And we found something marvelous. We found... One of three uh, sites where sumo was held during the Edo period, oh, E-D-O period. This was an outdoor kind of stadium built next to a shrine. There's shrines for everything. And it could be anything. They're shooting a movie a couple houses down. They've been shooting a lot of movies in, been, in Atlanta, yeah. Peter. Every time I take a turn, I feel like the old man who's like, hey, get out of my neighborhood. What are you doing here? And they're like, we're filming a Christmas movie with Jamie Foxx. And you're like, I don't give a shit. I need to park my car. Back in the day, I'd be like, oh, a movie. Let's stand nearby. <laughs> now I'm like, get out of my neighborhood with your stupid films. It's crazy. Yesterday, they were moving all the people's stuff out of their house into a oh. moving truck, and now they're shooting in there. Restaging. Now they're drilling a hole where the rain gets in. I'm going to give them a second, but not long. I think they're done. All right. Well, what blew my mind is that the 20 by 20 squared circle was almost identical to that sumo square. 
and the people looking in almost identical. And this hasn't changed in ages. I mean, this has been here since the 1800s or before. I don't know really, but you walk in and there's a pond there's koi and turtles. There's a waterfall. There's a beautiful shrine. There's a fresh water area where you're supposed to bless and clean your hands. We did the whole process. Wow. I got my fortune there. You put in 100 yen. It gives you your fortune. And it said, not good, not bad. I love it. I can be both. Wow. We, we had moments at the shrine, but being around the, the kind of ancient sumo temple was very, very cool. When we ended this, we they're killing me, Peter. I feel like Mark Marin when he's yelling at his landscapers out there. It's okay if they've got to continue for a minute. We'll build around it. There's no telling. We're just going to hope that our microphone isn't picking too much of it up. It's probably, we're going to be hearing it more than anyone on the podcast. So that's yeah. fine. I've noticed that before with podcasts where they're like, what's going on out here? But nobody can hear what nobody it is. Um, <laughs> I did also buy these mics specifically for that because I knew that. For the psychotic market. noise. Yeah, let them do what they want. After this, and getting back to the not much English. <laughs> Lucy, come here. Lucy, baby. Without much English there, we tried to go in to get pizza at a restaurant. And there was a, a brief communication barrier where we realized we are not going to be able to order pizza at this restaurant. I have no clue what I'm looking at. No one speaks English. No one is going to attempt to speak English. And that is absolutely fine. So we got back on the kitty cat train. And after this, we made our way back all the way to Harajuku. Now, this is a pretty long train. We're coming all the way from the west of Tokyo where this Gotokuji temple is. We're going all the way back into Harajuku. And we make it to Harajuku and sit down at the Snoopy Cafe. Now, when we talked about the theming of the Tokyo Sky Tree, one of the previous themes was Snoopy. And so when you go to the gift shop, you can buy like Sky Tree Snoopy stuff that's kind of left over. Is they Snoopy have all the new stuff now. I don't know why, but Snoopy is massive. In Japan. Is it just Snoopy? No other peanuts? Woodstock. Woodstock, Woodstock. and Snoopy. None I of mean, the children. Those are a pair. None of the children. They don't give a fuck about the peanut children. Fuck you, Charlie Brown. Fuck you, Linus. Go suck your blanket. Fuck you, Lucy. You're a bitch. There's no reason for your behavior. Not you. Not you, Lucy. Snoopy and Woodstock. They are the only ones they care about. They have their own cafe. I ordered Snoopy pasta, Snoopy pancakes. Woodstock pancakes, Woodstock lemonade. They had everything there. It was wonderful. And at this point, we had made plans to kind of do other things, but we're looking at each other. And for the first time, I'm on the same page as him. We are exhausted. We have done everything. And listen, if I'm in a place, whether it be Columbus, Ohio, or Dallas, Texas, or Chicago, or Tokyo, or Liverpool, I know that I'm not in these places that often. I may come back to them often. I may see them multiple times. I'm not going to miss out on stuff, Peter. And while I'm here and I'm selling merch and I've got people's support behind me, we're going to do everything we can. But you know what we had to do, Peter? We had to go the fuck to sleep. We get back. We said, maybe we'll take a nap and go to another exhibit. We'll go to another museum. We'll do this. We'll do that. Did not work out that way. We fell asleep in that Airbnb at about 6 p.m. I woke up at midnight and looked at him and go, I think we slept too long. And he goes, no. And we went back to bed. We went right back to I bed. I love that. I needed it. It was beautiful. We needed rest. Our bodies aren't always ready to go to sleep at the time that you would want them to go to sleep. So sometimes when your body says, go the fuck to bed, you just go to bed. Yeah. Now, I will say this, Peter. You have one. The electric kettle after the UK, after Japan, 
I was going, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I finally bought an electric kettle. Yay. It has changed my life dramatically, except for the fact that we have not gone grocery shopping since we got home. I've been wasting a lot of money on takeout, but I have been having a lot of tea and you have helped me keep my tea alive. But to have the ramen that is available in these gas stations, and I just followed a podcast that I haven't listened to yet, and I want to get the name right, because there's a name for these little convenience stores. Uh, let's find this. I just followed them. I want to see it. I want to put them over, because they obviously have similar likes to me. I followed it very... Ah, Convini. These little stores are called Convini. And this this Twitter, they go over all the snacks you can find in the Convini. Because it's like... There's no comparison to the U.S. of what this is. There's fresh food every day. There's fresh sushi every day. Fresh pork katsu every day that they will heat up for you, like we said. Fresh ice creams, fresh crepes, puddings, French toasts, hot coffees, cold coffees, teas of all kind. But the ramen, the instant ramen, it is not the same ramen we're getting over here. They're doing something different. These noodles are structured perfectly. The flavors are balanced. The additions are magic. And when I get the Animal Crossing or Splatoon ramens, I get a little sticker inside. I get toys. It's beautiful. The the kettle with the ramen, genius. I mean, less. I'm less than a minute from pouring boiling water in my ramen. I'm ready to go. I'm not over microwaving it and boiling it out. I'm not having to put it in a pot. I'm not having to wait for the kettle to boil. I've got it on, on top. And I think this is the... I bought one of the Ninja Air Fryer uh, pressure cookers. Yeah. And I was like, I'll never need anything again. That plus the kettle. Ultimate combination. I wouldn't even need an oven. I'd have everything I need. I love it. I haven't used my oven since I got an air fryer. It's magic. What are we doing? We need to start yeah, adjusting houses. Stove for anything. Either. We could have much smaller kitchens if we were honest about what the appliances were able to do. Mm-hmm. But we are building things to a certain American dream that isn't feasible for anyone anymore. Much like the cockroach waking up in metamorphosis. Yeah. There's a, cause I work for an interior photographer. So we're in these like high end fancy houses and the trend now is a specific closet just to stack appliances. So they're not out on your counter. So we're like oh. trying to hide our shame at this point that we have too many kitchen appliances. I have no shame. I only want kitchen appliances. I want to get rid of everything else. Imagine if instead of an oven, it was just a big thing where you can put appliances in and you had them all right there. The top opens Amazing. up. You just got your air fryer open, your rice cooker, your kettle. I don't know. I think we're, we're on to something. We might be changing the game. Let me talk to these interior designers. Let's, let's see what we can do. Let's do it. Let's we'll make throw the shift. some uh, pet clouds as well. Yes. I think what also was fascinating is me and AJ are not little guys. Like I am... I'm 190 pounds and six feet tall. He's 6'3 and less weight than me, but very tall to the point where he's scraping ceilings. This Airbnb that we rented for $28 a night with miniature kitchen, bedroom, small desk, and bathroom was plenty enough space. Obviously, over time, we would have more shit, but we had space in here for us. It made sense. We could eat. We could move around. There was a TV on the wall. It was very tiny, but it didn't feel tiny once you were in there. Mm. There's a magic to that. And I think some of that is they just use space better. They're not going to be wasteful of space just to say they have space. We need a giant dining room. You don't. They'll admit that. There's no ego to their build. Here in America, it's like, if I don't have a big a big front porch and a giant kitchen for 90 people, I don't have my dream home. Whereas I told AJ when we were moving, I said, stop picking places that are better for guests than us. 
<laughs> yeah. Stop. It's true. It's true. true. Well, what if people come visit? They can stay at a hotel. We're 32. Come on. I'm 32. He's younger than me. 30. Come on. There's a there's a community about an hour south of Atlanta. Are you familiar with Serenby and the nonsense that is that place? No. Okay, so it used to be like if you're a hippy dippy kind of type in Atlanta and you had a little bit of money, you could go buy like a house out in the woods or like build a house out in the woods. And it's turned into a thing now where like everyone's like all those people are trying to leave Atlanta and so they're building these monstrosities that just look like Miami drug dealer houses essentially and we were in one of them yesterday and the house made no sense whatsoever because it was just for entertaining people and there's no way you could fit I mean you could fit a bunch of people in there but like who knows like 200 because that's like what it was set up for. yeah but not like for like living in no and then like the master or I guess it's called the primary bedroom now Oh, yeah. You don't want to use those words anymore. The primary bedroom. It was... I called it the fuck room when I worked at a moving company. Okay. So the fuck room had this bathroom that was essentially a hallway, but it's like a luxury hallway. So it's like the wallpaper you can touch and has like a little bit of felt to it. Oh, God. But (laughs) you're like, man, you'd be married for maybe a year before getting a divorce if you lived in this place. It sounds like a pure nightmare. It sounds insane. I also think that... Uh, as time goes on and as inflation rises and as we sick and tire ourselves of the 1%, that these gaudy decisions they're making are only going to fuel the guillotines faster. So build the biggest house you can, motherfucker. We'll wait until it breaks down. All right, back to our scheduled programming. Sunday morning, AJ went off on his own, which was marvelous because I had shit to do. We had to be there very early back at Corican Hall. So I got to do two shows in a row at Corican Hall. And a lot of people who aren't really into my style may not think that this is a marvelous thing. And I'm going to jump a little ahead here. But I am the first and only man, person, human, wrestler, to ever yell, give me that twink in Corican Hall. Because at the beginning of our match, I looked at Drew Parker and I said, "Uh uh-uh, give me that twink. No one knew what I was talking about, except for me. We went to Corgan Hall pretty early. We had to be there early. It was a big show. Over 900 tickets sold. Almost sold out in Corgan Hall. Huge show. And Corgan Hall is a very, very famous venue. It is historic. It is right next to Tokyo Dome. There, There's a theme park next to it. The uh, Tokyo Giants play there. Former. Now, this is. I got a little mad while we were eating at the Taco Bell at the Tokyo Dome. Because... They had won the national series a few years and they had the banners up. How the fuck do American baseball players think that they've won the world series when they're only playing against other dipshit Americans and the rare occasional Otani, you know, what are you talking about? The world fucking series. It's the American series. It's a national series. Go suck my dick. American baseball. You fucking egotistical plods. If you're not facing the Japanese Tokyo Giants, if you're not facing weird teams from other countries, you haven't won a goddamn World Series, you fucking losers. I say that to all of them. Stop calling it the World Series. The Tokyo Giants will probably kick your ass in the Tokyo Dome. It's probably why they don't let them in the World Series. Yeah, see? They're too good. They practice. They're serious. They have to pluck the occasional Japanese player and bring him over here. It's... They, yeah, they, they sort of they sort of do. They were reporting a lot on baseball, like American baseball while I was over there. There was one point where I was on the train 
and the Braves were on the screen. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why, it, why is that the thing that got culturally imported over there? I don't know. I don't know, but they love it. They love the baseball. Uh, I looked into the Tokyo Dome a bit here before we went in and, you know, they have the lights on in there and it is massive. And to know that wrestling is held there every year, you know, they do the first of the year show, the Wrestle Kingdom show, and they've done other shows there too. And they do other shows, but that's specifically the sold out big show. It is marvelously large. What's I also the learned theme park next to it, the Skydome city theme park. And it has roller coasters and drop zones and kitty rides and arcades with plushy things. There's so many plushy things, Peter, that I, I mean, like I must've put a hundred, a hundred dollars in plushy machines while I was there. I won once. So it is possible to win, but there wasn't a lot of winning going on. You want on. a Kirby? I want a Kirby. Kirby. He's sucking. I love him. We go into Corrigan Hall. We prepare for our match. I'm fighting Drew Parker and Violento Jack in a, in a bring-your-own-weapons death match. So me and Schlack enter Corrigan Hall while I'm just shooting off a staple gun, looking like a psycho. And visually together, me and Schlack look like crazy people. Here I am, the big old gay boy in pantyhose and a spiky jacket flicking off staples out of a gun. And here comes Schlack, who for some reason is already bleeding, probably, <laughs> and just screaming into the air gutturally, looking onto the Japanese crowds who are like, I don't know what the fuck we're about to get into here. Violento Jack is a legend in wrestling. Mexico was where he started, but he lives in Japan now. His family is in Japan. He has a child and a wife in Japan. Uh, and to get to get in the ring with him especially in Corgan Hall was like, this is kind of nuts. The amount of kind of nuts experiences I had while I was there was like, what is going on? Even Drew Parker pulled me aside. Like I said, I think on the last episode, it's like, you took a bundle splash from Ito and a bundle splash from Kasai in the same week. You're a deathmatch legend. Let him come fuck with you. I was like, you're goddamn right. I am. Now me and Drew were being a little playful and Drew's a very handsome Welsh gentleman. I won't beat around it. He's a very handsome guy. He's in great shape. He looks great. Got the long flowing hair. He's usually covered in blood and scars. He's a badass. And I wanted that twink. And I kept fighting him. And he kept saying things to me in Japanese I didn't understand. And I kept trying to say things to him in English. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. And you're going, eh, that's corny. I don't care. The final moments of this match, after I've gone through can boards and taken staples, you know he threw darts in my back? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So he stands back about five feet with very sharp metal darts. <laughs> and he took the last one and he stabbed my ass with it because my ass was out for some reason. If you tell me, they said, we're, we're filming for TV today. If you say we're filming for TV or it's going on the Peacock Network or this is going somewhere, I guarantee you my ass is coming out. Subconsciously or consciously, I'm taking my pants off. Did they just cut it? They cut the around my ass on the Peacock oh, Network. I was hoping to get a blur. And they censored my they censored my entrance, but I think that's even better. If you have to censor me, that means there's something else going on, and now people are more intrigued to come see what that something is because you can tell they censored it. I will say this: I put on the Peacock Network to see the clip with AJ, and we have the version with ads because I wasn't going to pay all that. It was 50 seconds of ads, and we both looked at each other and said. Yeah, I'm not waiting through all that to see me wrestle. I've seen it. He goes, I've seen it. And I was like, I know. <clears throat> the end of this match, Drew Parker goes up top. I know sell. I show my fighting spirit as is tradition in Japan. And I get to the top and I yell, kiss me. And he hits me in the face. And I yell, kiss me. And he hits me in the face again. 
Third time's a charm, though. I go back to the top, and I remembered my little Japanese phrase book. And I said, Chusete! Which means kiss me in Japanese. And there's a shot of the ring announcer, uh, and she's in the background. And when I say, Chusete! She has her hands like this, and then he kisses me, and she goes like this. And it's like a <laughs> snapshot. With that kiss, I fell in love and fell back. Swanton on top of me, crushing my bones. I lost again in Corican Hall. Effie's good at one thing. It's losing in Japan. <laughs> I did have one victory the first night and one victory the last night. Everything in between, all losses. After this show, I was a little beat up and exhausted. Everybody said, let's go to the TGI Fridays that the Young Bucks always go to. And I said, fuck the Young Bucks. I don't have fucking time for this. I think they're losers. So I didn't go. So we went back to the apartment. Me. How was the Taco Bell? Oh, Speaking of American restaurants. The Taco Bell fucked, brother. I got a Crunchwrap Supreme in Tokyo, and I felt like I was at home. I got cinnamon twists. They also have a chocolate quesadilla there. Very odd. They have a chicken Crunchwrap Supreme. Ooh. I did not try that, and I should have. The menu is similar, but they also are like, it's sort of like Taco Bell on acid, because there's just like the most Americanized fucking crazy versions of things. And everything's so fucking cheap and everything's made so fast and it's so quick. I was still like paying her and the food was already ready for me. Like it's just, it's marvelous how they are very, they're just good at everything. Every system is perfected and there's a magic to that. So we finish here, we get back. Luckily we had time to get on the train. Uh, We'd been missing the trains. So if you go to the meal after, after the match, I found out you missed the train. I don't feel like paying the Uber. I'll eat at the 7-Eleven, baby. I don't want to miss out on, you know, the group experience. I think that's great. I think it's good. We hang out a lot. I'm not going to waste money on TGI Fridays here in Tokyo, Japan. And I'm especially not doing it just because the Young Bucks like to eat there. I don't give a shit. So we go back home. We rest. We chill. We watch a little wrestling. We relax. The next day, Monday, AJ, did he leave on that Sunday? Maybe he did. He did leave on that Sunday. So he was out after being out on his own and doing his thing. And I'm probably mixing things up here and I'll probably think back on the dates and it doesn't matter. But Monday was our final touristy, let's get it all out of our system day. So we said, myself, Scarlett and uh, Cole Radrick, we got to go see them fucking pigs. Now, Peter, you saw footage of the pigs. I'm sure everyone saw footage of the pigs. We went to the mini pig cafe. I'm very excited to talk about this because deep in the heart of Harajuku, there are mini cafes. There are owl cafes. There are river otter cafes. You said owl? Owls. Like the birds. Oh my God. Oh yeah. There's snake cafes. You can go play with the snakes. You're not a snake guy. I am a snake guy, but they freak me the fuck out. Yeah, they out. should. They're snakes. They're freaky. Remember when they gave Eve that apple and fucked everything up? Of course we blame women. God, what an asshole move. The snake gives her an apple and we blame women. Yeah, to like blow the- it. I like the version of that story that the snake gave her mushrooms and she was the only real wise person. I like this version too. You remember when Moses was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights after eating magic manna off the ground? When it was really like he was just kind of walking 10 miles for two days. Yeah. He was like, I think it's been 40 days. And they're like, what did you eat? And he's like, magical manna. And the 40 days and 40 nights 
that was a term they would use for a long time. Yeah, so well, basically, like Homeboy was out in the <laughs> desert eating some mushrooms. We have no idea how long he's been out here. Homeboy had everybody eating mushrooms and thinking there was milk and honey coming out of rocks. My God, you had them all full, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, we split the whole sea open and ran away. It's crazy, and then we ate that magic manna, and there was, and now we're in a promised land. You know, it's crazy. I'm not gonna harp on him. That guy was an idiot. What was his name Moses? What a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> we go down to the pig cafe, and I got to tell you this before. I was looking through the window of a place, and I saw a tarot deck, and I attempted to buy the tarot deck. Turns out. Not for sale. This was a place where you just get readings done. Oh. So I said, sorry, bro, and I got to go. We go into the pig cafe, and I'm thinking, maybe we see a pig. Like, they're not going to just let all these pigs loose. No, they let all the pigs loose. (laughs) You go in there, and there are about 30 pigs running around. Wow. And as soon as you lay a blanket on your legs, all the pigs come up. They want to lay on the blanket. So they're all fighting for space in your lap. Now, I want to clarify this. There is no such thing as a miniature pig. I know this. I know this in my heart. I know what happens to these pigs. They get too big. They end up in my ramen. It's fine. It's not a big deal. I want to play with the little pigs while they're little. I think it's, I think it's nice that they get to play. They seem very social. They were having fun. They were coming up to us. You don't have to approach the pig, but here's where it gets fun. Pigs are very smart, Peter. The bigger pigs were letting the little pigs out. So they were going over and moving the barricades so they could sneak out to the front. And then the the little employees were having to bring the pigs back in every few minutes. But the big pigs weren't even sneaking out. They were just like, you want to sneak out? I'll help you sneak out. Come over here, buddy. They would fight for position on your lap. They would just snort the whole time. They would kick each other off your lap. They would get a little rowdy. They would have to come back. They They have a little sign that says, don't pet their noses or mouths. You'll get bitten. Pigs will bite you. These pigs did not bite me because I didn't do that. But I think there's something there's something uh, human and fragile about a pig because a pig is like a little old man. The skin is pink. It has little spots on it. They have wiry, coarse, gray hairs coming out of them. They're very small. They're very wrinkly and weird. And they're very human-like in the eyes. And they look at you. And you can tell they're thinking. Those pigs are thinking. But in that moment, we were one with the pigs. And we just let the pigs crawl over us. They give us a five-minute warning. They say, you want a private room with the pigs? I said, we're going to go. Because if I stay here any longer, I'm keeping a pig. And I don't know how I'm going to get this pig back home to the U.S. And they're of all different sizes. Like, they're not all kept to one size. And there's some bigger pigs in there where you're just like, man, it's kind of a big pig. <laughs> and I'm sitting <laughs> on the ground. And I don't know. The pig's up to me. But it was beautiful to see these pigs. And we wandered around Harajuku a bit more and spent some time shopping. You can find anything in Harajuku. I even found a Darth Maul head that I think I showed off in one of the videos. Oh, my God. Did you run into Gwen? We did not run into Gwen. I would like to say this. I am a fan of the music of No Doubt and partially of Gwen Stefani. But if that girl has not just culture stolen her entire career... She took reggae from black people. She took Harajuku from the Japanese. And she said, it's mine now. It's mine. I don't blame her. It's good shit. But honey, at a certain point, you got to, you got, white people don't have culture. And so we no. just kind of cling to things. I do want to apologize to all the weebs that I've made fun of before that are big anime heads who are like, you don't understand how it is in Tokyo. Cause I've become that guy. You don't understand how it is in Tokyo. In Tokyo, they have ramen vending machine. 
I'm that guy now. I'm sorry I was rude to you. I'm sorry it's annoying to people, but I understand it now. And Gwen Stefani, you just did it to the extreme where you made a million dollars off of just exploiting culture. I will say the Love Angel Music Baby fragrance, it's one of my favorite fragrances of all time. If you find it anywhere, I can't find it anymore. Please bring it to me. It is uh, such a beautiful flavor. Now, I did skip over a little thing because we went to the second Mandarake location. And Mandarake is a store that is full of manga. It's full of comics. It's full of toys, vintage toys, Japanese toys, Gundams, Sailor Moon toys, Pokemon toys, even toys dating back to back in the day. And we went into this Mandarake after the pig cafe that was in Shibuya. And I saw two pictures of wrestling. And it was of the wrestler El Desperado. Now, El Desperado had a match a few weeks back with Junkasai as well. They also kissed. It was a very monumentous match for El Desperado. You know, he said he started the match not caring if he lived or died. And Junkasai said to him, look around you. The people scream your name. You survived death. How could you ever think it doesn't matter if you live or die? You will live and you will keep fighting. And everybody was like, oh my God, match of the year. And I was like, it's every Junkasai match. But I love El Desperado. And I love him additionally and extra because, well, I'll get to it in a moment. But we noticed him at the store. And while we were there, something happened. And I usually trust when weird things happen that I should go with it. And at this moment, it's when I was looking at the Gengar card for AJ. And they had it behind a glass display in a special case. It was not a cheap Gengar card, brother. But in the moment I second-guessed, something happened. Something happened with Cole Radrick. And I said, we're getting the card. So I got the card. We continued looking around. Uh, They have also, I showed you this book I got. All these anime manga stores have weird shit in them. And they have all the regular animes and mangas. And here's what just came out. And here's what you missed. They also usually have an entire section dedicated to gay pornography manga. And you may be saying, oh, there must be a lot of gay people in Japan. Well, there might be. I don't know. But the only people that were looking at the gay anime manga were the women. It was almost exclusively young Japanese girls looking through explicit gay hentai manga pornography. And so I purchased a book that I will have you look through even more that is of a, an anthropomorphic wolfman that fucks a twink and they fall in love despite their differences. And I saw this book and there was stuff that was a little more explicit. There was stuff that was a little more gay. But when I saw the wolf and the young man fucking, I said, this seems right up the alley of understanding the Japanese culture. (laughs) (laughs) There were some that were like, really one was built around this gay couple that likes smoking the same brand of cigarettes. And I thought that was really romantic If you can't tell, part of my voice getting destroyed was just from screaming and being in Japan and enjoying things. But also, I smoked a fucking lot of cigarettes while I was in Japan. And I discussed this with some of the other wrestlers who spent time there who were potheads. And you kind of hit a point where you're like, there's nothing else to do but smoke cigarettes. You don't even have vapes there. They sell vapes, Peter. They're 0%. But they sell cigarettes and they're so cheap. All cigarettes are under $5 a pack. You brought some of those Lucky Strikes that you had that what they were like 15. Oh, yeah. They're just like, I, the I was, highest I nicotine. Got like a little sick after They kick your it. ass. Oh and God. then you think about a week long of smoking those just because you can. Every time you go in the store, you go, whatever, it's $4. Give me a pack. It ruins your voice. You can tell here that my voice is ruined. It's by my own doing. Uh, in addition to talking and speaking and uh, yelling and being in matches where I'm screaming, Chushite. 
But I will say this tomorrow, 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 tonight at midnight, my voice doesn't have to be attached to my throat anymore because it is entering demonic permanence. And tomorrow on Netflix, you can look up Dead in Paranormal Park and you will find Effie in many episodes as Asmodeus. And Blake Christian kept saying, do the voice, do the voice. I said, Blake, I can't do the voice, but I can do the voice. I'm here and I'm Asmodeus and it's going to get crazy. Little B, don't worry about that stuff. Asmodeus is here and I'm going to teach you how to be yourself. It's real, Peter. Oh, it's I'm coming out. so excited. And I love that Mario, they put out the Mario movie and everybody's voice. Jack Black is Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach. All these voices are going to be great. But that dipshit Chris Pratt, that dumbass Chris Pratt, who keeps taking all the jobs, he took our jobs. Let me tell you what Effie does. He acts. If you give me a moment and you say, Effie, weren't you on a show? Guess what, folks? To be in this show, they did not just find Effie and pull him. They found Effie and made him audition against many other actors. They made me do the voice test. They made me screen test. I guess it's not screen testing since it's a voice, but I would screen test well. And I got the part because I did something different and I changed it. If you think Effie is only Effie, you're a fool. A fool. Effie is a lot of things. And now Effie is Asmodeus. And I hope maybe in the mini-sode we can get into the depths of how I got to this position of portraying Asmodeus because it is uh, bananas. I told somebody on Twitter, I said, it's because of the devil I look younger. And they said, that's not real. And I said, believe what you need to believe, bitch. Believe what you need to believe. There, there is a really funny trend of serious occultists that because they're all like, at least like the well-established ones are older at this point. And they all look incredible. You can't age Effie. I love it. Got rid of the beard. I need a haircut still probably, but we're okay. But tomorrow, Dead in Paranormal Park, it's a fantastic show already. I really love the first season, but I'm now officially a part of the show. I am now co-stars with Alan Cumming and Haley Joel Osment and Emily Osment and Zach Barrick, who you may recognize from Spider-Man, but really that doesn't matter because this role I think is pivotal to what they've been able to accomplish and what he's doing. Um, Thank you again to Hamish Steele. I hope you all enjoy it. By the time this comes out, it'll already be out. You'll have already heard it. Amazing. And I think people think they saw the clip of the wrestling match, which is my introduction to the series. I believe in episode three, I'm in many episodes and I will keep popping up. And I think in very fun, playful ways. But I will say this, Peter, they're already rule 34 to me. Did we discuss this last week? We might have touched on it. Yeah. It's, there's going to be a lot of weird Asmodeus porn as this goes forward. And I'm fine with it. Horny shit. As long as Marge Simpson is involved, because those are my favorite. Oh, Effie. I don't know. That's, <laughs> she always has real big busty tits in there, but they make sure her hair is just as long or longer. I think that's beautiful. We continued our touristy time. We wandered around. We went again to the Don Quixote. I bought more squid. <laughs> At this point, I could not stop eating squid. It's my favorite food. It's delicious. Uh, that night, though, I'm trying to remember. Did we go out again? We did. We did go out again. But did we? It doesn't matter. Let's get into Tuesday. The last full day in Japan. On Tuesday, we had a show. The final show at Shinkiba First Ring, where we had our first two shows, and then I had two shows at Korokin, the fifth and final show at Shinkiba First Ring. And this was going to go one of two ways for our American boys. 
they were going to go as hard as they fucking possibly could, or they were me. And I showed up to the, I showed up to the arena and I'm jumping ahead past the big moment because earlier in the day, Drew Parker had set me up with a tattoo artist in Japan and I had no intentions of getting a tattoo before I left. And in Japan, they are frowned upon. I kept being frustrated by the fact that I would look up steam rooms and bathhouses to go to. And the only ones that allowed foreigners with tattoos were the ones where they were going to try to suck my dick, which contrary to popular belief, Peter, I don't do a lot of public sex play. It's not for me. And especially if I'm steaming or I'm going in a sauna, the last thing I want is for you to sit near me while I am sweaty and hot. Please fuck off, sir. So I knew like, I just can't, I can't go to these places. Why not be even more outlaw? Let's go get a tattoo in Japan. It's very underground. It's not discussed a lot. And I I talked to them and they said, there's a lot of tattoo parlors here. They're just very difficult to find. And it's sort of word of mouth to find these tattoo parlors because it is still so frowned upon in Japanese society to have visible tattoos. There are a lot of members of gangs or organizations that have them, but they keep them covered up a lot. And uh, if you have them in public, now some of the younger people are showing more tattoos. And I even noticed, you know, they said that the birth rate has been in such high decline in Japan. It was more couples in their 30s and later 20s having the kids and not the younger you know, people. But I saw so many babies and I saw a lot of people with babies with tattoos. And I was like, hang on, the future's getting crazy. Wow. Very cool. Very cool to see these young families forming in Tokyo that are like living by their own rules. But, and this is, I'm going to make a terrible joke here. Uh, Drew Parker has a tattoo on his forearm here that says intact. And he was like, yeah, 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 they did both of my tattoos. He had a card one. He, had, he said they did this one too. And I go, God, I can't imagine liking being uncut so much that I have to get it tattooed on my arm. He, he laughed at the joke. It's not why he has the tattoo. Sometimes when you're cut up by razor blades all the time and glass and blood everywhere, you have to remind yourself that you are an intact human being. I find this place and I'm pushing it close because we have to be at this arena at four o'clock. And I said, fuck it. If I show up at noon, you think we can do something? I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. So I show up and I show them the tattoo, which I had bought a Japanese version of the Parquet Court CD. Sometimes when I'm listening to music, I'll listen to a band for a long time, then I won't listen. But the day before I left for Japan, I got on a real heavy Parquet Courts kick. And I have a, a strange relationship with Parquet Courts. I saw them live long ago, and they reminded me they were cooler than me. And I loved it. I love seeing a band where they're, you know, sometimes I feel like, I'm giving myself a little too much to the fans. I'm killing the mystery a little bit. And there's workarounds with that. And I'm not going to stop giving myself to the fans. But they were standing there and you were just like, I can't even approach these guys. They're so fucking cool. And they know they're cool. And they're letting me know. But I'm fine with it. But their music is very, it's aggressive. It's uh, in a different way aggressive. And I was really in a parquet courts kick. And when I went to Tower Records to kind of pick up some CDs, I found the Father John Misty. I found the Chromatica Deluxe Edition for... uh, for my Lady Gaga friend. I found a 1975 CD for one of my close friends. But I found the newest Parquet Court CD, Sitting All Alone, Japanese edition. I said, what the fuck? Out of all the bands, you know, I'm not going to be like, I don't know how they have my underground bands. I don't know how they have my underground bands. I open this record after I buy it, and I notice the art for track nine, Zoom Out. And it fucking jumped out to me. Now, you mentioned this is almost an opposite or a... uh, uh, a reference to the nine card being the hermit. Mm -hmm. And 
the hermit being the man of science. And this is sort of yelling at the man of science that although his microscope is telling, he must zoom out on life. And I think in life, we forget to zoom out a lot. In cases of self-awareness as a performer, we don't zoom out. In cases of being in Tokyo alone and wild and wandering, we don't zoom out of the opportunities we have. So I needed to remind myself at all times to zoom out. And that's what a lot of my tattoos are. I did like when Jun Kasai put me upside down and the big challenges was right side up. We talked about that. But I get there and this is a very tight line work tattoo. And I asked the guy, I said, do it as big as you need to be comfortable. And he said, I can do it. And he reminded me, this is very difficult line work. Not to tell me he couldn't do it, but to say that he needed to take his time. So now I'm in a time crunch with a very professional Japanese tattoo artist going, and we don't speak the same language. The girl at the front is from Malaysia. She speaks English and Japanese. She was helpful, but he does not speak English. So we're kind of trading things off. He took almost four hours doing this tattoo which in America, I think they would have slopped it out in an hour and a half. And he was so precise. And I'll have you look at it healed because it is very precise in doing this tattoo. But the timing, Peter, and you know me, sometimes I'm going, will I make it? Peter, I always make it. I've never had an issue where even running close was I late. And we'll get into more of that later because I thought I was going to be late again. I finished the tattoo, and here's how polite the Japanese are again. Cole Radrick was with me, and he left his bus pass, or his train pass, upstairs. And I said, brother, we gotta go. I already called the taxi. I'll buy you a bus pass. Whatever. The man runs downstairs after doing my four-hour tattoo and gives me the bus pass. We get in the taxi. We go all the way down to Shinkiba First Ring, pass over the harbor, see the tower again. Just beautiful. We're the first ones there at the venue. <laughs> So I wasn't going to be late at all, but I get there and Kikutaro is holding an ice pack to his neck and I'm limping on my hip. We've just, we've been going for it. I've been walking. I've been doing, I've been bumping. And he said, maybe easy tonight. I said, maybe easiest tonight. And at this point I said, Kiku, if I don't get a hamburger in me, it might be a bad match. He said, go eat. So I went up by myself to the Loteria, which is what this restaurant is called. And I had a shrimp patty rice burger just to find out it's just as good as you'd think it's weird and then i had a double cheeseburger with bacon they're not good at bacon over there i'll say this it's very wet it tastes almost fake flavored um still delicious i ate the whole thing made my way down tattoo covered limping at the end of my journey after seeing all of japan feeling very comfortable saying arigato gozaimashita a lot of times saying kumbamwa to every fan that walks up and me and Kikutaro proceeded to have what some have said, and I saw both sides of it, the worst match of all time. <laughs> and what some have said was the match of the century. Now, you can decide for yourself if you watch it. But there's a meme going around on Facebook of African wrestling where these two big studs are wrestling in front of a very large crowd in Africa. And they're just doing this with their hands because they don't want to touch. And me and Kiku did that for a long time <laughs> to start this match. We then proceeded to wrestle a little bit and I got pissed and I went to get some chairs. And then we realized it's very painful to get hit and hit with chairs. We tried to swipe them against each other and our hands hurt and we said, no more. I said, get the other chairs, Kiku. We brought out miniature chairs <laughs> because in Godzilla movies, they used to have people dress up in the costumes to make them look large in these city battles. And I said, why don't we be like Godzilla and we'll hold the little chairs to show how giant we really are. These are regular chairs, but we're giants. We proceed to do that. I even bribe him. I found a money pad 
that had, it looked like a stack of $10,000 yen bills. And I bribed him pulling it out of my pants, bringing it back to day one saying, come on Kiku. And he took the bribe and still kicked my ass. And we did a fantastic Kiku finish with some nut shots, including the referee where he got to look at referee Scarlett and go, you have no balls. And then she slapped the shit out of him. It was a, a very fun time, a very fun way to cap it off. And since they had gotten to see this deadly, violent version of Effie the whole time, I needed them to see that Effie is an all-rounder, as they say. And Kiku is the right guy to bring that out. Now, I've had the chance to work with Kiku Taro in tag matches before, but to have him one-on-one and the way we call matches and the way we set up segments and the way we take our time with things, it was magic. I would wrestle Kiku Taro every night. Some people would hate that. Some people would love that. I don't give a shit what they think. I would I love it. Want to, I want to wrestle Kiku Taro every night. Now, I put out the KISS rankings. Top five kissers of the year. This is a pretty crazy list. I want to make sure I get the list right because I meant what I said. Number five was Drew Parker. Chuste. Kiss me on the top of the ring. He's number five. He was good. He was an okay kisser. We can tell he only kisses girls. It's fine. Number four, Minoru Suzuki. I think he might be higher on the list if he had put a little tongue in there. All right? But he wanted to sell it like he didn't like it. I know what he likes. I know who he talked to. Number three, and this disappointed some people because it was a Tumblr fantasy, John Moxley. Now, he did use tongue, but the flavor of cigarette ash and dryness in my mouth, I was breathing heavy. I'd been getting my ass kicked. It was hard to enjoy that kiss as much as I should. Number two, Jun Kasai, the crazy monkey. It had tongue. It had blood. It had sensual passion. I even went back for an extra kiss once I got consent. But number one was Kiku Taru. And some people think he's wearing a mask. He's not. That's what he really looks like. And I kissed those big soft lips and I felt the wetness of his mouth. And I knew that I would never have a better kiss this year in the ring because he kissed me and then I beat him. I won after the kiss, kicking him in the face, pulling his head down. Kikutaro, number one kisser of 2022 so far. If you'd like to sign up to see if you can surpass their kisses, uh, book me for more money than you expect. And I'd be happy to kiss you. We finished this match. I'm feeling marvelous. End of the night. We're all hanging out. We actually met uh, one of, I guess he's been training a little bit with Speedball Mike Bailey. His name's Chris. And he had been in Japan studying overseas for his university, but he'd been able to train with some of the DDT pro people. And he was hanging out with us. And I said, come on, come hang out with the wrestlers. Let's get food. I ended up buying everybody curries. We go to the apartment. We take it in. We talk about the trip. It was a beautiful, easy way to make sure we were all collected, calm, and cool. Because the next day was going to be the return home. The longest day of my life. September 24th, 2022, also my brother's birthday, was the shortest day of my life. I took off at 11 a.m., went to bed, woke up, and it was the 25th. I only existed in that time plane for a very short time. But October 5th, 2022, is the longest day of Effie's life so far. Because I woke up 8 a.m. Tokyo time, and I did not get to bed until 1 a.m. East Coast time or later. And if we really do the math on those hours... It is disgusting. It's a long, long, long time. Now, I didn't realize until that day that only a few of us were flying out of Narita and a few were flying out of Haneda. Now, Haneda is much closer. It's in the Tokyo Bay. It is the main airport for Tokyo. Narita is way further out. Now, the first day the guy told us, don't take the Kizi Skyliner. It's so expensive. Fuck off. I took the Kizi Skyliner. And because I took the Keezy Skyliner, I left three hours later than everyone else. They said, we're going to go now. I said, have fun. So I leave on my own. 
the last day of Japan, a solo man. I take all the trains I need to. AJ had taken it Sunday, so he told me exactly how to do it. And I knew how to do it. And you get on the Kizi Skyliner, and it goes above Tokyo. So you get to see all of Tokyo as you're riding through it, out to the east where Narita is, through the countryside, through the green. And it is so green once you leave the Tokyo area. I noticed that flying in. Wow, this is it's very green. I thought this was a tiny little island. No, it is lush and beautiful. And there are rivers and big buildings. And it gets more traditionally Japanese as you go out. And you pull into Narita Station at the airport. You walk right up. You're already there. I exchanged my cash. Turns out I did okay in Japan. For the amount that I spent on touristy dumb shit, I did great in Japan. Thank you to the Japanese people. Thank you to the Japanese companies for having me. And thank you to the 7-Elevens and the, uh, I'm already forgetting the name of it, Kombinis and the Kombinis for providing me with cheap food all the time. Yeah, I had my big steak dinner, but I didn't need to go back. I didn't even know Ribera Steakhouse was a real place. I thought it was a rib, Ribera. That was a big fake thing people make up when they go to Japan. It's not, apparently. I still didn't go. I get to the airport, and I've got a lot of time on my hands. I could have left even later, because the Kizi Skyliner is so efficient and so nice, and only $5 or so more than the other trains. You stupid fuck, we should have gone on those trains. I have a lot of time on my hands. I've already checked my bags. I'm now going to spend some time in the airport. So I end up going to more little... Uh, vending machines. I get more toys on the way out. I find some cute stuff for grandma because I don't want her to feel left out at mom's birthday when I give her all the cool stuff I found. <clears throat> and then I said, I'm going to have my last meal in Japan. And part of me wanted to go to that McDonald's. I wanted to, but I didn't. And I went and sat down at a Japanese restaurant in the airport. I proceeded to eat a full curry pork katsu, a whole plate of sushi, Another plate of t- fresh raw tuna porridge and eggs, a little dessert, a little tea, a little melon soda. I mean, I was big balling, Peter. And when the bill came, it was about $20 American for all of that food. Unbelievable. Luckily, on the way home, I was flying United and not Zip Air. Zip Air, I would probably take again. Because I, I know how to fall asleep on a plane. But if you are looking at the Zip Air price and going, why is it so much cheaper than the other airlines? It's because they do not feed you or have TVs or comfort in their planes. It is the equivalent of Spirit or Frontier Airlines, but across the ocean. Don't fall for it. Just pay a little extra. You will be more comfortable your whole trip if you don't fly Zip Airlines. Alex Colon and myself are on the same flight home, uh, as well as Ash, who helps with production and stuff there. I wandered through the airport. I went through security, which is the funniest. Like, security does not give a fuck about anything there. They let you right through. The amount of Japanese people wearing very oversized, fashionable clothing with chains and things that you would, in America, be like, that sounds like a nightmare for security. They're like, what are you talking about? You just walk through. What are you doing? Great. Go through customs. Get through everything. Get on this plane. Fall the fuck asleep. Now, this is where I did watch both Marcel the Shell. I watched before I fell asleep. And then Brian and Charles, when I woke up, we land in LA and I'm thinking, oh, I'm fucked. It's 1125. My flight boards in 30 minutes. I have to go through customs. I have to get my bag. I got to get the fuck off this plane. And I'm trying not to worry that I'm going to be late, but I'm a little worried, Peter. And I'm going, oh God. And then I exit the airport just in time. I rush through customs. I rush through everything. I get all my bags. 
And I knew that I would be on time because I saw a big picture of Julia Roberts, that fucking bitch. And every time I see Julia Roberts, I am reminded that even people with no talent, who are scum, who are narcissistic solipsists, who only think of themselves, who have no thought for others, who are selfish, and who have coasted off friendships and their big fucking mouths for as long as they have, they even find success. So I had nothing to worry about. And I walked outside and I smoked my ass a fat Japanese cigarette while cursing Julia Roberts. And I went back inside and checked my bags again and I fucking made it on the flight. Now, Peter, it doesn't end here. I had a layover in Denver. I got a little cocky. I said, Peter, oh, I'm addicted to Japanese cigarettes. I'm going to completely exit the airport to go smoke a Japanese cigarette and I'm going to come back in. I have clear. What's the problem? Boy, Peter, if I wasn't cutting it down to the minute of making this flight, and if I would have had to explain to my partner, who was already yelling at me about how many cigarettes I was smoking, rightfully so, because he's looking out for my health and we want to grow old together, and the last thing he needs is for me to die. Trust me, he does not need that. My life insurance policy is not great. If he dies, I do great. I don't want him to die. I'd rather have him than anything. But if I die, it gets a little expensive because there's not good life insurance on Effie. I imagine we could go fund me, but I think that's, you know, tepid results at best, truly. And I won't be alive to see it. So it won't even be heartwarming when it over proceeds its goal. Uh, but wouldn't you have to pay out everyone that funded the GoFundMe for the life insurance? Wouldn't that be like a part of it? I that? don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Figure it out. Put me in the trash. We're, we're fine. I made it onto the flight and I got home. At 11.47 p.m. East Coast time. I really want to do the math on this. If I woke up at 8 a.m. Japan time. So if I woke up at 8 a.m. Japan time, it would be 13 hours behind. So 13 minus 8 a.m. So at 7 p.m. my day began in Tokyo. 7 p.m. East Coast time on Tuesday is when my October 5th began. And it ended at 1 a.m. on the 6th. I was up for 24 Plus seven to 12 minus six. 30 hours exactly. Jesus. The 30 hour day. And I got home and I could barely even contain my excitement. I got to see my puppies. I got to see my partner. I got to sleep in my bed. We didn't sleep for shit. My sleep schedule was fucked and I slept a lot on the planes. But we had made it through. And I looked at him and I said, I'm so glad we got to do this together. Even though he left a little early, even though he had to get back for work and get the dogs and do those things that I wasn't there to do, I wouldn't have wanted to come home from Tokyo and tell him about it because I think he needed to see it. We needed it for us. We needed to see how we travel together like that. We've traveled together plenty, but not like that. And for us to come out of that feeling even stronger, feeling more respectful of each other, minding each other and working, you know, on, on the flaws that we find in each other to be better just for each other. It was a really, really good feeling. And I even surprised him by saying, look, as much shit as I gave you for giving souvenirs to everyone, you know, because at one point he was like, people are calling me. I don't know that want souvenirs. And I was like, tell them to go to Japan. Then the fuckers, there's no visa requirement anymore as of today. So go for it. No visa. You can go over there right now. We had to go through the whole process. AJ legally could not have been over there without a sponsor asking him to come to Japan. But now, if he was like, I'm going to go to Japan next week, he could very easily just go on his own. 
we had that experience together. I hope it stays forever. And we understand each other better. Long-term relationships are about patience and growth. And if there's a side of the party that isn't growing or changing or acknowledging communication, then it'll never work. But we have been through so much together now that it makes me say, hey, it's okay for me to tuck my tail with him sometimes. It's okay for me not to be effy superstar sometimes with him. It's okay for me to be a human being with him and to lift him up to being the superstar. I love all of it. He got to see what he wanted. I got to live my Japanese deathmatch dream. I think a lot about the concept of being fluid concrete, Peter, because the longer I go on and the more I prove myself over and over, Effie is becoming concrete. You can't fuck with me. You can step on me. You can jump on me. You need a jackhammer to even chip into this motherfucker. But to remain with fluidity, to fill in any situation that is needed, to see the assignment, understand it, and complete it using the skills and the stories and the uh, bits of my past and realizing in a big sense, and this is not all Japanese wrestling, Japanese wrestling has so much more in common with Southern-style Memphis wrestling than people would ever imagine. And seeing those sort of barriers be jumped over easily by Effie, it made me very excited and very heartwarmed. And Japan... In conclusion, you are so fucking weird. Please don't change. Please be as weird as you can. Please continue doing weird, strange, sexual, horrible, weird things while pretending to be a conservative family-based society. It's beautiful. It's magical. And uh, America, get on your fucking shit. Your train system is ass. Your food at gas stations is ass. Everything costs too much. In Japan, they're like, if I serve you this bad egg sandwich and charge you too much, it would bring great dishonor to me. And in America, we're like, if I poop in a bag, how much can I make off of it? That's the difference. And they still make money. Everybody still pays their bills. We look out for each other in Japan. But guess what? We're on a downward spiral over here. The Pax Americana is done. You do not live in the greatest country in the world. I'm not saying Japan is the greatest country in the world, but I'm saying as someone who's been traveling a lot lately... Boy, it's fucking annoying to be back in the States sometimes and you don't notice it until you've left. God, clean your floors. Clean your goddamn floors, establishments and businesses. Mop. Mop like you fucking mean it. I could have walked barefoot all through Japan and not had an ounce of dirt on my feet. I'm not going to leave this frustrated. It was beautiful. I can't wait to return. I hope to return soon. I have a lot of dates coming up that are in America. I will enjoy them. But I'm going back to England in December. So get ready. I think there's a little more to announce. It's going to be very fun. Uh, and I hope you're all ready to see where Effie goes from here. I am fully confident in myself. I'm confident in what I put out. And now that I understand why Joey Janela talks to haters on Twitter now, because I'll just roast them. I used to be like, nah, I ignore that shit. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It still does not affect me. I'll fucking roast you. It's so much fun to just roast people. And I think, I think people need to be roasted. Peter, what do you got? We got questions. Oh, if you're not on the Patreon, I feel like last in last week's haze, I wasn't as crucial in putting it over. Please put it over. Do it, Effie. It's Weekend at Effie's, the Patreon, at patreon.com slash weekend at Effie's. It's the only Patreon I have. It's the only thing I'm going to upload to. I'm going to be putting up some more pictures this week. I've got some videos from uh, the showboat. We didn't even talk about the showboat, really. Let me tell you about the showboat. It was marvelous to be back. It was great to see Nick Gage win. My voice was gone, and I, I thank you for honoring that, where I held up a sign all weekend that said, my voice is gone. It was, and y'all honored that. You respected it. Now, all the shirts that were supposed to go to Japan went to the showboat. So thank you for buying a shirt. Thank you for helping me out. 
recouping some Japan costs, even though I made money there. You got to, you know, we spent, we spent the rent's still going to be due, baby. Let's get into the questions. Was there anything that, was there anything about Japan that surprised you in a good way? Like a place or a custom that you weren't expecting, but ended up enjoying? There's such a respect for the outdoor space since it is everyone's space that you do not litter. You do not leave cigarette butts. You do not even smoke outside. At the Sky Tree specifically, I remember going in. I went to the Starbucks there, got a yam frappuccino because it's yam season there. If you go into the Happy Mr. Donut, you get yam donuts. You got yam stuff everywhere, but the Starbucks even has the good luck yam frappuccino. So I got that and we went up and all the places have this. It's a smoking room. You do not smoke outdoors. Everyone in Japan is smoking. Everyone. You do not smoke outdoors. You go inside the smoking room. and It's a little room with music and a vending machine. And you just smoke in there. The airport has them. It's magic. All the businesses have them. And in the Tokyo Sky Tree on the seventh floor, we went to that smoking section right after sushi and a Starbucks. And it was marvelous. I love that custom. Even it got to the point where... You'd be walking in the street and you'd see a leaf and you'd be like, somebody should pick that up. It was that clean. Wow. One funny story though. There's a bike lane for the bikes to ride on and it is different than the walking lane. And there was a little kid riding his bike down the bike lane, not down the bike lane, down the walking lane. And an old man grabbed him and stopped him. Said, go to the bike lane, I assume is what he said. And made the kid get in the bike lane. It's we're sort of self-policing everything. And the police aren't doing anything except for telling you where stuff is. Puro resu, and they go down there. But they are sort of self-policing things through, through light shame, which I think in America we have no shame. None at all. But it is okay to have a little shame about things when it is for the greater good. The individual is celebrated somewhat, but the greater societal good also should be celebrated. And I think, you know, it's... Uh, you're only doing as good as your weakest team member. And Japan really believes that. And they want to uplift people. There's, uh, and I, you know, I don't know all the data. You don't see much homelessness. You don't see many people on the streets. You don't see a lot of riffraff, so to say. Even people on the trains who are like the crazy people on the trains, very respectful, crazy people. They're not even going to speak up. And there will be a train that is, there's a hundred extra people than there should be on this train. Everyone is quiet. Everyone has their mask on. Everyone is respectful of the space. Everyone moves when you got to get off. And one other thing is, and we may have mentioned this before, every train station, every business, every character has a theme song. Everything has a theme song. Every station when you get off has a different theme song. Ikebukuro Station has a theme song. Senjuku Sanchome has a theme song. Shinjuku has a theme song. Shibuya has a theme song. Shinkiba has a theme song. Everything has a theme song. I want to download the theme songs. They're jingles more than anything, but I would like to download them. That's, I'll have more to say later about Japan, I'm sure. Effie, what did you miss the most? What will you miss the most about Japan? Literally the food. I mean, I could yeah, go. You were talking earlier about how American food has not been... It's not been great on my stomach since I got back. I'll say this. The UK destroyed my stomach. I'll admit it. I love the mushy peas. I love fried fish. I love all that stuff. Destroyed my stomach. Japan, even eating the spiciest or the craziest or fried or this, it felt like there was like a lack of preservatives or something in it to where 
all my dietary was great. Now it help. It doesn't help. I mean, it doesn't hurt that the toilets are marvelous to use with the heated seats and bidets and noise to cover your poop sounds. But it was, there was no noticeable indigestion or discomfort, no matter how much I ate. And brother, I was eating <laughs> as much as I could. The amount of pudding I ate over there. Good God. What's your favorite kind of pudding? I, dude, I'll eat any kind of, like, I would say my favorite food is pudding textured foods. I like a custard pudding. I like a rice pudding. I like a tapioca pudding. I like a pudding in a crepe. I like pudding in a bowl, pudding souffle they had at the gas station. And this stuff is like replaced daily. It's all fresh and replaced daily. Combini. We love you, Combini. My God. Okay, this one's for me. Peter, how have you been while Effie has been off on international adventures? I've definitely, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I've definitely been missing the tailor in my life while you've been gone in the UK and Japan. Um, It also, like, perfectly lined up with my Mercury retrograde experience that, like, all my friends left. (laughs) And then magically, magically they all came back. They do come back. We do come back. And we come back bearing gifts. Hopefully it's wonderful. Yeah. I'm happy to be back. There's uh, there's a, I don't want to say it's a scheduled rigidity, but there's like a, there's a nice peacefulness to knowing I'm going to meet with you and we're going to have friendship time. I, that is, I love structure. And as an adult, it's nice that you have to like schedule things. I will say this. One thing I liked about Japan, not to cut you off immediately. I have always been someone who has fought structure, even when it benefited me. Structure is something that would help my life tremendously. And I realize that in Japan and I'm trying to be more structured in my behaviors while not thinking I'm throwing away my punk rock roots. I don't have to fuck you against everything when it's going to benefit me, mm-hmm. but I sure will. <laughs> Very Gemini of you. Can't help it. Uh, hello, Peter and Effie. I've listened through to Japan part one and you mentioned both. I'm going to fuck all these names up. Uh, Shinjuku and Shibuya. Did you actually go to? Did you go through to Harajuku while you were there? I actually got some tattooed tattooed work done there when I lived over there a few years ago. Yes, we spent a lot of time in all of those areas, and the Shinjuku area is like it's it's what you think of when you think about getting too fucked up in Tokyo. Like all the bars are open super late, everybody's sweaty. There's women trying to grab you on the street to give you a massage where I obviously came into handy being the husband to whoever needed one. That's my husband. He fucks my ass. That was a good line from Joey Janela. As he grabbed me, he goes, that's my husband. He fucks my ass. I love him. Don't take that the wrong way. It's protective. They would have yanked that boy into a room and stolen all his money. That's their job. You can't blame them for it. But uh, yes, all these areas are fantastic. The Shibuya area is magical as well, just full of shopping. You know, the Bathing Ape store is there. Uh, all the designer crazy stores are there. There's just so much cool stuff all around all those areas. There's so much more to Tokyo than that, but you get a very good taste and slice of Tokyo by visiting those areas. And I will say, if you're going to go there, don't ignore some of the like more historic sites because you get both sides of Japan there. There's very, very cool temple and prayer and magic areas to see. I th- yeah, I think I want to do a temple and food tour. Yes. It's impossible not to. They're everywhere. Um, and last one, Effie, did you have any culinary experiences while in Japan? Which, I mean, it's like 50% of the Yeah, episode. it's all of it was me. I will say one I didn't mention, which is when you go, maybe I did mention it, when you go to the ramen restaurant and you use the vending machine, it's fantastic because 
uh, Japan is sort of built on you being socially anxious and not wanting to interact with people and making it as easy as possible for you not to have to. And you go up to a screen, you pay for your full meal, you pick on the screen what you want, and then you just drop the ticket to the chef. Here you go. And he brings it to you. You order before you're ever there. You already know what you're going to get. They just bring it to you. Whatever you want. You want more? Go back out and order some more. That is a real magic thing. Uh, the amount of weird dried cheese, though. I know we've brought this up. It's like a des- cheese is a thing there that's kind of a dessert and kind of an obsession where if you're going to put cheese on something, you don't put a little bit. But they sell these dried cheese sticks that are wrapped in fish skin. And I don't know how they make them or what's up with them. But it is delicious. I also like weird shit. Uh, but there's some weird, savory, fishy, cheesy magic to it. It's very chewy. It's very dry. I love it. What was? What would you say was the best thing that you had? If you were to top tier it. If I'm going to top tier it, it was sashimi tuna in a bowl of rice porridge with a raw egg cracked on top that kind of cooks as you blend it together. Oh. Put a little soy on there, maybe a little chili and garlic. My God. My God. Incredible. Comfort foods. You know? It was magic. Also, thank God I already knew how to use chopsticks pretty well. Because if they offer you a fork, they're making fun of you. (laughs) Oh, you need a fork? No way. I'm good at chopsticks. I can handle myself with chopsticks. And it makes you eat a little slower. Not much slower. A little slower. 